You know, I want to just uh, remind us again and read to us. Uh, I've been reading some of the prophetic words that were given to us as a church family. And again, prophetic words are, are great. We don't necessarily, you're not led by them. What they should do is that they should go on the inside of you go, oh, that's, it's confirmation. A prophetic word should never be, oh, okay, that's what I'm doing. It should always confirm what the Spirit of God in you is already doing. Right? In the New Testament, those that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And so again, I want to just read this to you. And I want you to not just hear it with these ears, but hear it on the inside again. And let it just spark up on the inside of you. Because I tell you, I read this again yesterday. I read it a couple times over. And I'm going, woo! I'm sitting in the coffee shop, woo! Woohoo! Sir, is your coffee good? Oh, it, yeah, it's fine, but woo! You should be reading what I'm reading. So let it, what it did to me, let it do to you, all right? So it starts off with this God wants to challenge us to build us up and to confirm some things. You're going somewhere, there's a place that you're going. We can't have old wineskins, we need new wine. New wine, God is doing new things. And again, that sounds okay. I've heard that before, but hear it now. Challenge you. I challenge you to be the victorious church. Joshua and Caleb wanted to lead God's people to a place of abundance. And God was wanting to bring his people to a place. There is a place. God wanted to bring his people to a place of great provision. God is wanting to take us to a place both individually and corporately as a body. And God is taking us to a place where we're going to go together. And God has been preparing us and getting us ready to go to that place. So it will require more of everyone. But God has to proper, prosper you and I to meet the needs of his church. Are you ready to go into your promised land? Are you ready for God to multiply you? Genesis 22, there is a place of great provision, and when God sends you to a place, there is great provision in that new place. It's time to be led by His Spirit. Follow the Lord, and there's always provision. The Holy Spirit is leading us to places in God and physical places where our provision is waiting for us. Where we're going, there's going to be more provision at impact that we have ever seen up until now. Abraham got up and he went to the place. God is sending us to a place. Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. In your future move, we are getting ready to move into a place called our Jehovah Jireh. A new dimension of provision because things are going to speed up and accelerate. Things are on the move. When we move, we will see the expansion and things increase numerically and spiritually, and they will take shape like never before. There's provision in that place. The place God sets you where you're supposed to be is the place where God will meet your need. See differently and move with the cloud. We're going to that place together, and so don't let strife in. So that's the heads up. The hand of the Lord is on, on you and this church. The hand of the Lord is on this ministry for this time. Get yourselves ready. Ready yourselves for the hand of the Lord to come upon you corporately, individually for the things that come into line for this time and for this place. As we move as a company, so will we go together. So ready yourselves. Stand in the ready. The hand of the Lord has come upon you for this time and this place. And this last little bit here, it says, in the place of provision, God's hand will be seen on you in a greater way. 
We move out in obedience with the Holy Spirit. We will fulfill our destiny, our assignments, do everything God wants us to do on the earth. We lift our voice in one accord corporately. We get together, magnify God, one mind, one accord in unity. Things are waiting for us where we're going, already beginning, already been set in motion because we love God's presence just as David loved God's presence. God can do amazing things through us as we guard our hearts against the fence that would keep us from this place of God's provision. We get into one mind and one accord and we can do anything. We will be amazed in shock at how big the provision that is coming up because we are united in accord, one accord. I don't know about you, church, but I say I take that. Anybody else taking that? The rest of you, come on, man, I take that. That bears witness on the inside of me, like mm, it's moving. And as we know, I mean, there's some. There was a shift. Probably about eight or eight to ten months ago, I can't give you the exact date, but there was just a shift going on inside of us, and we're going. There's some things that are turning. It's like you're rounding a corner in the spirit, and when you round a corner, even in natural speaking, if you're walking downtown, so to speak, and you kind of go around a corner to another building, you get at a whole other picture. Well, for you and I, that's what we're stepping into. So, yes, as a church family, we are moving to another building, but this building is still here. <laughs> Did you know that? And the opportunities that we have with this building are beyond. This for us is like it's a bridge building. Bridge between the world to the church. And it's just a great opportunity to be a witness for Jesus in our region. So... With all that being said, let's just pray and we'll, we'll get started. Father, we thank you for your presence among us, your presence with us. Lord, we are just so grateful that you gave us the Holy Spirit who indwells on the inside of us. We put a demand on him this morning. We thank you that the anointing teaches us all things and we have no lack when it comes to wisdom and understanding. But Holy Spirit, you came to reveal Jesus to us in a beautiful and profound and personal way. So we look to you this morning. We thank you so much that as your word goes forth. Father, it brings clarity. Lord, we thank you that any demonic force, we just cast you out in the name of Jesus. We give you no access from your word to have full and free course in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that this not just impact, but just our city, our province, our region is a gospel free, free flowing of the gospel across our province. We declare that we speak that in Jesus name. Amen. Come on, Canada. Like, let's go. Come on, Alberta. Let's go. And I'm not just talking like naturally speaking. I'm talking, let's go, church. Like, this is, this is who we be. All right. Calm down, Joel, and let's get into this. Now, so um, there's been a lot of words that have been spoken. But again, a fresh and a new start. And in this word particularly is a new wineskin. And that word was from the Durants in, uh, in June this past year. So we've been asking this Lord, the Lord this question, what are you desiring to build in us so you can work through us? What are you wanting to build in us so you can work through us? And I believe, again, collectively as a church family, there's some things that the Lord wants to establish in us so we know who we is. All the English teachers went, woo, woo. <laughs> All right. So in just, in just spending some time on that question with my own self, just three thoughts came to me. And of course, we're going to be talking about love and faith, and we're going to get into that. But I want to just kind of break it down for us. You know, this was, uh, I believe it was March 2011, or yeah, 2011. I wrote this down in my diary, in my journal. I was up about 2 o'clock in the morning, and I just, I wasn't able to sleep. 
And I've just been going through the New Testament, just reading, and I, I got stuck on 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11 in the Message Bible, and I was reading it in that tra- in paraphrase. And out of it, it just says, we do everything we can to get people ready to face God. And it just lit off on the inside of me. We do everything we can to get people ready to face God. And whether that's the world that doesn't know him yet, hey, you need to hear about Jesus. You need to know about his love. You need to know about his saving grace because you need to be ready to face God, right? And then from a church perspective, for those that are in the family, Ready to face God means, hey, I want to make sure that I finish the, the assignment that God has given to me. What I'm placed on this earth for. God, what have you given me to do to expand your kingdom? And all that comes from knowing who he is properly. So three things that came to mind kind of breaking it down was number one was this, that we build into us is the culture of heaven. What is the culture of heaven? It's love for one another. What makes heaven heaven? Love is there in its fullness. Secondly, what else do we build into us is the lifestyle of heaven. What is that? Living in grace by faith. It's a beautiful conversation. How do I talk with God? Well, God initiated the conversation. Grace always initiates. Faith is simply a response, a positive response to what grace has already said and done on our behalf. This is where we are as a church family and like the church at large, this is the conversation we need to learn to join in. A lot of times we kind of have our mindset and the religious thinking is, what do I got to do to make God happy? He's pleased. He already looks at you. He's well pleased. Well, I didn't do anything. It doesn't do that. Your works to God, not going to change that. You're accepting upon what grace has done through Jesus. It will qualifies you for his acceptance. Now, it doesn't, I say I don't have to do anything now. Out of this knowledge, out of this revelation that I've been received by God, Lord, what can I do in your kingdom to advance it? These are called the good works that we ought to be doing. And then thirdly, the flow of heaven. What are we building into us as a church family? The flow of heaven, following the leadership of the Spirit of God on the inside of us. We quoted that early in Romans chapter 8. As many as are led by the, by the Spirit of God, they are sons. And that word sons is different from talking about children. Sons are those that have gone in such a place with the Lord that they are actually not moved by anything external. They're moved by the witness on the inside. They're moved by what he says on the inside rather than moved on the outside. That's what we're going for. So this is what we as a church are. We're people of the culture of heaven, which is love, the lifestyle of heaven, which is faith, and this is the flow of heaven, which is being led by the Spirit. This is who we are. Does anybody are okay with that? That's, I wouldn't know what anything else you'd want to be. Like this, is, this is key, right? Okay, so now let's go here. And how do we do all of this? How do we talk about all these things? Well, in Colossians chapter 1, if you have a Bible, just turn there. But these three words, I want them to leap off the page. Him we preach. Come on, can we say those three words together? Him we preach. Come on, say it, church. Him we preach. What are we doing here? Him we preach. I felt like the first three rows were saying it, but what about the rest of all y'all? What are we here for? Him. We preach. This is who we proclaim. It's him. The message Bible says it like this. The substance of our message is we preach Christ. This is, this is all we got. This is who he is. Jesus is the foundation of the church. 
So the same way you go to a grocery store, you get groceries and food, or you go to the bank and it's money, the church ought to be about him. <laughs> right? I don't want to talk about Canadian Tire stuff here. I, I wouldn't even know where to begin. But when we come to the church, it ought to feel different. He is the source. And so when people walk into this building, they should experience grace and truth. Because these are the pillars of the, ch of the church. It's grace and truth. So I don't know what y'all getting out there, but when it comes to the church, it ought to be grace and truth. That's the pillars. Right? Same way you go to a superstore, what do you expect? Groceries, home decor. I guess, guess they kind of you know, bend on a few things. You go to Costco, you go in for the big stuff. I go for the samples. <laughs> I tell you, if anybody was there on Thursday, no, Friday night, woo, man. I tell you, they had meat all over the place. There was wings there. I had wing night on Friday at Costco. <laughs> Just showing that out there. So there's advertising for Costco. I want 10% of anybody that shows up. <laughs> Amazing. But seriously, when we come to the church, it ought to be Jesus. It's his church again, remember? He bought it with his blood, not a mortgage payment. <laughs> okay? His name is on the title deed. It's his. So we've just, Lord, what do you have for us? We're not here to build a name. We're not here to make ourselves look good. Because listen, the world doesn't need more us. It needs him. And when the world sees him, how can you not love him? Right? I mean, come on, can I get a witness on that? You've, you've, you've experienced the love of Jesus. You've seen the grace of God in action in your personal life. And what happened to you? you instead of sleeping in, well, y'all already did this morning with an extra hour. But man, I, now I'm here. I, Lord, here's my life. What can I do for you? Thank you for that excitement on that one. Okay. Now, so as we said, so church, now we're gearing up for a natural change. But again, more importantly, from a spiritual and a kingdom perspective, I want you to hear this. The Lord has increased our assignment. That's simply what has taken place. It's an increase of assignment. New assignments, new things that have come our way. And again, that's exciting. It's, woo, here we go, Lord. And now, that's the most high thing that we're looking for. And kind of what Jamie actually said this morning was what I was rolling around in my heart uh, last night. But like any kind of assignment, like a given by a good leader, it's because the Lord has seen faithfulness. He's seen it, not just did a few of us in the leadership, it's, it's the whole church family. So like what Pastor Jamie said earlier, congratulations, church, this, this is exciting times for us. We've passed some tests. You've passed some tests. You're like, oh, I got to show up. I got to, here I'm, I'm serving and I'm doing and I'm plugging in and I'm, I'm bringing my tithes, I'm bringing my offerings and I'm serving. Congratulations. The Lord rewards faithfulness. Now, don't you do that with your children? Man, when they, they, they do their, they do the things without me having to constantly ask them. You do your checklist in the morning? You know how to brush your teeth in the morning? Without me asking you, I can just all of a sudden smell Colgate. Then when you come down the stairs, son, now we, can have, now we can go somewhere. Well, it's the same thing with us. The Lord saw fit of faithfulness, and now here we are standing in this new, new assignment given to us. And we'll reveal more of that as we go along. So now again, Impact Life Church, what is our aim? Ephesians 3.21. This, I just let this... Let this kind of flow on the inside of you. What, what's our purpose, our assignment? Well, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Or so be it. This is what we're here for. Who gets the glory in the church? Jesus. Who gets glory in, in all generations? Jesus. 
So again, our vision is to impact generations for Jesus, and it's to bring him glory and honor. To him be glory and honor in Christ Jesus. So how are we going to do this? Again, I'm going to take two minutes on this, but first, naturally. So again, when you're going in two weeks, some of you haven't been there yet. Some of you will go there today, but we did buy new carpet. We did buy new paint. We destroyed walls. That's, I give the blame to three project managers. They destroyed every wall that was in that place. And all the volunteers, you guys bulldozed that thing. I think it was done in like two and a half weeks. Wow. We bought new toilets. Usually get a little bit more excitement on that. We bought more toilets. <laughs> I said, and there's, there's nice furniture. It, it smells nice in there. It looks nice in there. It's like when the, and we got nice screens, we got lights. Oh, I didn't need all those things. That's a dumb question. Why? It's because if you can change your attitude rather than, well, why do we have to do all this? Because we represent King Jesus well. Our message is one of grace and faith. It's of the blessing of God. It's of his goodness. And the goodness of God, it turns people to repentance. And so we want to show off how good our God really is. And so from a natural perspective, that's why we bought nice stuff. So you're not going to sit on a, you know, on a stool when you come in two weeks. Everybody, or just on the floor, have a seat on the floor and just enjoy yourself. No, it looks good. And the reason I bring this up, well, that's real natural and real carnal. Yeah, because some people are. And that's not a downer on people that are becoming, or maybe you're kind of thinking that, well, it better look good, otherwise I'm not showing up. People look, according to what we see in 1 Samuel 16, it says God looks to the heart, but people, they judge by the outside appearance. So again, we can't just go, well, that's just carnal. Well, who cares? They should just show up anyway. That is a wrong heart. If you can flip that and say, you know what? How many people are going to walk in this and go, this is a church building? Wow. Really? Yeah. Why? Because we want King Jesus to look good. This isn't about, oh, just us and our little thing looking good. No, it breaks down walls. So when people come in and they go, that's a really comfy chair. They can actually sit. Rather than having to pee 15 times a day during a service. I see all you walking out. I can see it. I go, again? Really? You just went. Now everybody's going to be holding it. I know you're going to be like... Man, should have brought my diapers. You should have. <laughs> Please don't pee on these seats because we have to transport them to the new building and we're not cleaning any of them up. <laughs> and then we also saw in 1 Kings chapter 10 that the queen of Sheba, she went and saw the temple that Solomon built. When she saw it, she was, the Bible says, overwhelmed with awe. So we're expecting that. Again, when you walk in there, you go, oh, Wow. This is awesome. Look at how many people are going to be reached with the gospel in this place. Man, that's going to be breaking down walls and barriers. And oh man, this is awesome. Lord, thank you for all this. It's all his anyway. When is the Lord able going to be able to spend what's his? <laughs> all right. And secondly, now more importantly, we touched on this, but here we're going to go into this a little bit deeper is we want to imitate him. How do we bring him glory? Yeah, the natural stuff, that, that's just a natural, very low low level of conversation. But secondly, more importantly, is we want to imitate him. Specifically, we are those that have caught the heartbeat of the father. When you catch his heartbeat, you're not moved by what natural things look like anyway. 
You've taken the great commission to heart. And now I'm aligning myself. I get myself in position so that every opportunity I get, I am an, I'm a door opener for someone to come and encounter the love and the goodness of Jesus. That's who I am. What are you and I in this earth? Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says that we're door openers. Open the door for those, be reconciled back to God. That's the ministry that you and I are involved in. A ministry of reconciliation. Lots of the church world talk about a ministry of judgment and condemnation. You ought to be doing, you need to be acting, you need to be saying, you should be dressing like, no, we are reconcilers. What does that mean? We don't judge by the external appearance. Our job is to get the hearts of men connected and see, look at the heart of the father. And when you see the heart of the father, all walls come down and you go, I want what he's offering. That's how I got in. (laughs) I got a really strong prophetic word given to me by this lady. I will be thankful to God for eternity. Cindy Duvall. I love that lady. She's probably in her 70s, late 70s now. This lady, I want the pastor's kid up here. Which one? (laughs) Me living my rotten lifestyle on the weekends and all of a sudden, I want the pastor's kid. Oh God, I'm just so sorry. Whatever it is, whatever works, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I remember standing in front of her and she gave me a strong word. But that word, I tell you, it ministered correction, but the love of God just hit me. I went, God wants me. He actually wants me, not because my parents are pastors, not because I'm a pastor's kid. He actually wants, he wants Joel. That was the start of changing everything in my life. And what was it? Rather than her going out and saying, you heathen, you backsliding pastor kid no good useless piece of she ministered the love of God to me and what did that do boom Lord here's my life what can I do that's how it's going to (laughs) work that's what it's going to do for us now why else imitate him well not only do I want to represent Jesus well but actually we as a people we I don't know about you but we actually want him We actually desire him. I don't know about you, but I actually want Jesus involved in my life. Psalm 63, verse 1, it says, God, you're my God. I can't get enough of you. I've worked up such a hunger and a thirst for you. It is hard to imitate someone you don't know. Right? I mean, you see those comedians that they're, they're imitating, you know, different presidents or they, you know, imitate, you know, these different folks that are kind of in the public eye a lot. And a lot of times their, their imitations or the way that they, you know, they do their voices, they're phenomenal. But how do they know all that is because they watch their mannerisms. They watch how they speak. They watch their tone. They watch what they say and how they move. Well, the Bible even tells us imitate God like dear children. So what does that show you and me? If God tells us to imitate, that means God's ready to reveal himself. God's ready to go, here I am. Come and get to know me, children. Because when you see who I am, I want you to be just like who I am. So this is how we bring glory to God. And like we said, first of all, uh, let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. Let me go here again. Church, who are we? Ephesians chapter 1. I want to read these to us because this is profound. But for this reason, this is the Apostle Paul praying or talking about this church in Ephesus. He says, because I have... Come on, y'all. What did he do? He had to hear something. I've heard of your faith 
in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all of God's people. And because I've heard of these things, verse 16, he says, I do not cease to give thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers. Colossians chapter one, verse three and four, it says, we give thanks to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray for you always for we have verse four heard Come on, y'all say it again. They've heard there's something about these churches that caused the apostle Paul to bow his knees, to man throw his arms back. I heard something about you. What did he hear? I've heard of your faith. I heard about it. I heard something that you are strong in your faith in God, that you believe him in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of Nero burning Christians at the stake, throwing them in there for the lions to eat in the Colosseum. I've heard of your faith still. Wow. No matter what came their way, these people refused to bow to the external world. Not a chance in hell am I bowing to a Baal. I bow to him only. We have heard of your faith in Jesus. Look how he goes on to say how you lean on him with absolute confidence in his power, his wisdom, and his goodness, and of the unselfish love that you have for each other. Wow. Man, that's awesome. Second Thessalonians chapter one, verse three. This is, man, this is profound. He says, we feel a personal responsibility to continually be thanking God for you, our spiritual family, every time we pray. And we have every reason to do so because your faith is growing. Did you know your faith can grow? It can grow marvelously beyond measure. And the unselfish love each of you share for one another is increasing and overflowing. So you could look at your neighbor and say, I love you, but it's not, that's not enough yet. There's more to this. I can grow more in this, right? And just saying this kind of getting the church, well, I love you. That doesn't mean anything. Love has to, love is a verb. It's got to be proven. And we'll get into that in times up to come. Now, talking about faith, <laughs> why faith and love because in an atmosphere of faith and love, people are able to see their situation through the eyes of a loving father and experience the supernatural in their life. Now, again, for the Apostle Paul, again, to hear these words, somebody had to sit in those meetings. And now the Apostle Paul comes back while he's in jail, writing these, these epistles to these churches. He's hearing from his spiritual sons. And they're coming back to him and saying, Paul, we were just at Ephesus. Man, I tell you, that church there, their faith is you can feel it in the atmosphere with all of Nero being just the nasty leader that he was and all the persecutions that come to the church. They are holding strong. Do you know what it did to that apostle's heart? The one who started that church? Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. I bet you just tears are rolling down his faith. face. That gospel is going forward. It is sticking. God is proving himself strong. God is showing himself miraculous. And then he goes on to say, hold on, Paul. That's not it. We also heard of the, the love that's there. Man, I tell you, they treat each other with such respect, with such love and kindness. He's like, I, I never even wanted to leave. I didn't even want to come back and visit you, Paul. That place felt like heaven. You know what that did to the apostle Paul? It brought him to his knees and he said, now God, I ask that you would give unto them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. 
What kept that flow is, Lord, they got to see you. They got to know who you are. Open up their eyes, the eyes of their heart to be flooded with light so that they would know to the hope to which you've called them. How rich is your inheritance in them and the power that's at work on the inside of them because they believe. Lord, show them that. What gave the apostle that open door is he heard of their faith and their love, faith in Jesus and love for each other. I don't know about you, but what else would you want? (laughs) How do we get a piece of heaven on this earth? This love. So now let me just go back here for a sec. Faith. Why faith? What about faith? Faith is the result of the word being taught. That's why we put such an emphasis on the word. It's not because we're in some denomination and that's just denominationally, that's just what we have to do. No, it goes so beyond denomination. (laughs) Why do we put an emphasis on the word? Because when the word is proclaimed, Romans 10, 17 says that like this, faith comes by hearing and hearing my opinion, hearing the high thought of the day, Want to talk about what the government is doing all the time? No, that brings frustration, anger, fear. I want to hurt somebody. Right? So what do I have to do? I have to train myself in such a way where I always ask no matter what is said, what comes against me, what is spoken out here, what does the word say? Why? Because faith is how I'm going to bring him glory. Faith is what pleases God. So faith doesn't come by praying for it. Faith doesn't come by worshiping for it. Faith doesn't come by just going, God, can you please hand it over? I need some more. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing his word. Right? Okay. Now, to be a people of faith or a person of faith, it means this, that his word has infected us in such a profound way that we actually start carrying an attitude of faith. There's an attitude of it. Has anybody just in the last couple of years heard the attitude of fear? I'm not saying that to, you know, but serious, have you, have you heard it? There is an attitude or a spirit of fear. And what does it do? It hears, it believes, it speaks. Shortage, disease, lack. <gasps> what are we going to do? Oh, that's, that's it. Okay, okay. Uh, the earth is going to die in three days. Oh, God. All of it is fear-based. And so when you hear all of that, what do you do? What does the word say about it? I don't know about you, but my Bible says, as long as the earth remains seen, time and harvest... It's not going to die. Just in case you're wondering. (laughs) One day God's going to burn the whole thing up. So global warming, no, global heating. I think it's going to be on fire. God's going to eradicate and build us a brand new one. But till then, it's not going anywhere. So just relax. Trust God. Read your Bible. Pray every day and you'll grow, grow, grow. Right, son? That's what we're saying, right? Don't read your Bible and don't pray every day. You start to stink, stink, stink. (laughs) All right. All right. Now, this spirit of faith, 2 Corinthians 4.13, I want you to see this. He says, we have believed. Now, this is how the spirit of faith works. 
And again, you can't just necessarily teach on it. You can talk about faith. You can teach along the spirit of faith, and that's great. But the spirit of faith, what I've found even in my own personal life, the spirit of faith, I remember studying faith and studying faith and studying you know, how, how to operate the God kind of faith and how to live the God kind of faith, how to write your ticket with God. And all of those messages were so powerful. But what I got, I mentally scented a lot of it. And so the power came, this started to work in my life when I didn't just know, okay, say this four times and I shall receive. Okay, I'm going to be blessed. 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 Where is it? It's so much beyond that. You have to catch the spirit of it. It's like the spirit of a team. If you've ever been involved in teams of any kind of sort, I know in the sporting world, our coach would constantly rally us to talk a certain way. We had a very good team. We won continually. Do you know why? He instilled in us a winner mentality and a winner way of talking. We didn't walk on the field and go, oh man, those guys look really good. We walk on there and say, we're better. That's what it is. We're going to beat you every time. And that attitude came on the inside of us. It developed a confidence naturally in our soccer ability and we'd defeat him every single time. And we'd go after the game, we told you. Why did you show up? (laughs) So it's the same way you catch the spirit of faith by hanging around the word. When you hang around the word, there's a different tone with the word. When you sit at the table with leaders and winners, the conversation is way different. It's the same thing. When you start hanging around Jesus, his conversation is a lot different than what a lot of people think it would be. (laughs) How does he talk? He talks like a winner. All of a sudden, there's 5,000 people walking up a hill, and they're going, they're all hungry. What do the disciples do? Where are we going to get food? How are we going to do this? Jesus said, you get him some. From where? He said, bring me that fish. He never had a lack mentality ever. So what are we doing? I want to imitate him. We're learning how to operate like he operated. Because listen, the revealing of Jesus isn't some kind of thing what happened in the past. The revealing of Jesus isn't something that one day we're going to see. Why Jesus came to this earth was to reveal to you and I who we are as a mirror in him. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So no longer are we just trying to go, oh, Jesus was just simply amazing. Yeah, he was, and he is, and he is on the inside of me. Jesus said, the same works that I do, you do also. That's a high call. He doesn't say, just hang on till I come. He said, occupy. That means take over, kick the devil out, give him no space, and you as a church move forward. I don't hear anything in that going, retreat, back up, hang on. The world's taking all this over. No, thousand times no. I want the devil to know who we are. And I know this before, but we had a a march going on. This is who we are. We're the church advancing in our region. Come on, church, let's hear this. Let me hear you. Come on, hear that sound. Church! Freedom! And Satan goes and uses the bathroom every time you do that. All right. Remember, the spirit of faith will make a tadpole slap a whale. (laughs) What gives you this? All of a sudden, you look at impossible situations and say, with God, all things are possible. 
well, that sounds a little arrogant. No, it's confidence in who my God is. I've heard of your faith. What is this faith? It's not this passive, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. No, this is what the word says. We stand on it until, till what? Until he moves, till he does what he said he was going to do. We don't back off it. Okay, that's what we do. So Paul heard this side of it. And then on this side, what else did Paul hear about the church? Is this love for one another. This love for one another. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I want you to turn with me here for a moment. And I want you to see what the Apostle Paul, I think he really wrote this chapter, chapter 13, for himself. Talking about the love of God. I'm so glad he wrote it. But you're going to see some pretty profound things here. But in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, we see this great apostle again. All scripture is breathed by God. So this isn't just Paul's pursuit. This is what he's saying to the church. Okay? 1 Corinthians 14, 1, he says, eagerly. I'm still stuck on eagerly. Eagerly. <laughs> what does eagerly mean? Eagerly means... I'm going, I'm not stomping, I want it, I desire it, I'm going to have it, eager, I'm eager for this. He says, eagerly pursue, and now you seek to acquire this love and make it your aim. Then I love the Amplified says, your great quest. Anybody like a good movie that has a quest involved in it? You know, like National Treasure, Indiana Jones, I have to go after this. And so what are they're studying and they're looking at all these, you know, the, the, the environments and all that that he has to go through to get like a certain object. Well, this is what you and I, this is our great quest. Now, if I'm really honest, and if you're really honest, how many of you and I have made love our great quest? All right, three of you are honest. Okay, I'm, I, I've turned my quest my aim to this. Because listen, some people, their goal, they're pursuing spiritual gifts. Don't do that. <laughs> you need to pursue love. And from this place of love, spiritual gifts flow. When you're in the love zone, the gifts flow. Right? Okay, now let's talk about love for a moment here. The Message Bible says it like this. Go after a life of love as if your life depended on it, because it does. Go after it. Make it your goal to operate in the love of God. Dora, we're going to take some time on this, because this is, a, this is a whole new way of living. When you start living in the God kind of love. I tell you, man, I've been reading some stuff in my own heart. I'm going, whoo. You know, you read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and you kind of take the temperature of your love walk, and you go, ah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to grow in it. We're going to develop it. But as long as it's our aim, hey, well done. Now, why is love my goal? Because where there is no revelation of love, there is no operation of faith. Did you hear me? Where there is no revelation of love, there cannot be no operation of faith. I don't know about you, but I've heard many people, I'm, I'm just, I'm believing God, I'm standing on it, and you're a complete jerk to your wife. You think it's going to work? Faith works by love. So in order, yeah, we have an atmosphere of faith, but if we're just jerks to each other, 
<laughs> Forget it. It's not going to work. People come in here with needs and they, they, need, they want healing. And they're believing God for you know, financial blessing. And they're believing the Lord for peace of mind. They'll even go for restoration and wholeness in their body. And meanwhile, we're a bunch of jerks. That atmosphere, faith won't work. Even though we could be just, oh man, yeah, God can do anything. Shut up, I'm trying to sing. Ah, it won't work. <laughs> All right, so let's turn here. 1 Corinthians 13. The revelation of love puts the power to faith. Okay, this is huge, church. Please get get this etched on the inside of you. If all that I have is a revelation of faith, I will get puffed up in pride. So 1 Corinthians 13, look at what the apostle says. He says, if I were to speak with the eloquence in earth's many languages and in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. I could say it like this. What good is it? You can pray in tongues, but you're mean in English. <laughs> oh, I, I pray in tongues three hours a day. But you're mean as H-E double hockey stick. What, what, what is wrong with That's not how this works. Verse 2. And if I were to have all the gift of prophecy... With a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets. I knew it all. And I possessed this unending supernatural knowledge. And if I had the greatest gift of faith, that would move mountains. But if I don't have never learned to love, I am nothing. Verse 3. And if I were to be so generous to give away everything I own to feed the poor. And to offer my body to be burned as a martyr without the pure motive of love. I would have gained nothing of value. So love is everything. It's how everything works in the kingdom. So what is the Lord wanting to instill in us as a church family? The culture of what heaven is. Why? So that heaven can manifest. We're going to go, well, how come I'm not, I'm not seeing man heaven manifest? I would check to see what kind of atmosphere you carry with you. Because the love of God is how all of this flows. Okay? You know, some people study the word of God enough just to recognize when others are missing it. <laughs> Anybody ever noticed that before? Especially when it comes to the love walk. We go, mm, they're sure not walking in love. But if you were walking in love, you wouldn't even notice. <laughs> First Corinthians 13, you can read, I think it's well, four through eight, but if somewhere, I think it's verse seven, it says, love pays no attention to a suffered wrong. <laughs> Some of you are going, oh Lord, how, how are we going to grow in this? We're, we're going to grow and it's going to be a beautiful and you're going to just see things happening in your personal family, in your marriages, in your home, in the church. You're going to go, what? Man, it just feels like days of heaven on earth. Yeah. And remember, we, we've read this word a few times that times of refreshing are here now. They're coming. That's not just by accident. It's not God just going to go and fresh. <laughs> He'd love to, but he needs access. What's his access point? I am making a decision to love even if no one else is. Anybody else interested in making that decision? Okay, four. This is going to be, this is how it works. And again, we don't have time to get into it, what love looks like. But love really is manifested in two ways. Giving and serving. To just say, I love you. Doesn't mean anything. 
Love is always revealed in giving and serving. Now, the next reason why we want to operate in the love of God, number one was this, is because that's where there's no revelation of love, there's no operation of faith. And number two, why do I want to operate in the love of God? It's because it's what it's impressing to him. I don't know about you, but a lot of times I've spent a lot of my younger years trying to impress someone. What do you do? Your first date with your girlfriend. Did you just show up in sweatpants? What'd y'all do, man? What'd you do? Take it or leave it, girl. This is what it is. <laughs> Holes ripped everywhere. I'm just going, oh, well, you're, you're blessed if you get it. That would... No, what are you doing? You want to make an impression. So what do you do? You showered. Some of you young guys, this, is, this will be helpful. You, you showered. You put on a, some pit stick, deodorant. And you, all right, there's a, there's a smell here. So that if I go to hug her, I'm not giving her a whiff of B.O. Simple. You guys can take this, take it to the bank. On our first date, she picked me up. It's because I was in her province. That's why. I paid for her lunch. And my mom didn't even send me an e-transfer to help her. <laughs> Maybe you did later. I can't remember, mom, but thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you try to make this impression. Right? You, try to, you want to have a good first impression. Well, do you know what impresses God? Not knowledge. Anything that you know from the word, guess where you got it? <laughs> from him. Some people go, oh, I got this deep revelation. And God goes, oh, and where did that come from? <laughs> uh, well, Lord, I, I prayed like seven hours and it came to me. So you earned it? You worked your butt off in order to get that? That's not how this works. Everything you've received is a gift. <laughs> so instead, what is impressing to him? I don't know about you, but I want to spend my life impressing God. I think there's a quote from Billy Graham who said, we've spent our entire life in our society trying not to offend people at the expense of offending God. I'm more interested in pleasing him with my life, with the words of everything part of my life, I want to please him. And if people may not like it, well, that's too bad. You'll get over it. I, I, we, we, we can't keep doing this. Who do we want to please? Him. What pleases him? Yes, faith. But also, operating in the love of God. This is impressing to him. Now, anybody ever gone to, any people gone to college before? And in order, you know, to, you know, get your bachelor's or to, you know, get a certificate or to get your, you know, master's, what do you need? You have to have a major in something, right? If you never want to graduate, just keep majoring, finding different majors all throughout the time. But if you want to graduate, so to speak, from Heaven's University, H-U, Heaven's University, ready? We're all participants in Heaven's University. What's the major? Oh, spiritual gifts. No. Oh, no, no, no. Faith. Oh, oh, hope, 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 hope. We're going to talk about hope, 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 hope. That's all good. What are we majoring in? Love. Love has got to be the major. And when you major in love, all of those other elements start flowing. Because from love comes everything. Because God 
is love. Last verse is this, John chapter 13, 34, 35. Jesus said, I am giving you a new commandment. Ready for it? Not, he didn't say, I'm giving you a new suggestion. I'm giving you if it works or if people stop cutting you off or if people would just be nicer out there. He's saying, I'm giving you. This is the command. Point to me. No, not me. No, you. Point to you. Don't point at me. I'm going to you. You take care of your own self. You point to you. Me. This is my command. What is the command? That I love you. That I love you. Just as, thank you, <laughs> just as I have loved you, so you too must love one another. Now, I won't notice this again, verses that you are familiar with, but hear this, church. Verse 35, by this, by this what? By this love. For what? For who? For each other. We think, oh, we got to love the world. We got to love the world. We got to love the world. Jesus actually brought it and he said, this is sometimes even more difficult. Love the people that you're sitting right next to. Love the people that are behind you. You find that over and over and over in the New Testament, this deep love, especially in 1 John, we know John to be the apostle of love. And he talked about this deep love for one another. He says, brother, how can you love God whom you can't see and hate your brother whom you can see? It doesn't work this way. But he says, if you live in God, you're living in love and love lives on the inside of you. God lives on the inside of you. And he says, you start to experience heaven days on earth. This building, when we walk in, we come in together, heaven should be experienced. Why? Because we sing so good? No. If that was the credential, I'm hooped. <laughs> Maybe to your standard. I think I sound really good. Carrie said I sounded good once. <laughs> once. Once. If that was the credential, then yeah, we'd all, some of us would be stuck. But if we would have this love for each other, this unselfish, oh, it's mine, and this is how I like things. This is what I want. This is, why, why do you do it like this? This should be about me. None of this is about you. The moment it has, guess what? It's capped to you. The moment we make church about one of us, we're stuck. But if we make it about him, it's unlimited. But by, he said, by this, everyone. Come on, shout it out with me, everyone. everyone. By this, everyone. Everyone includes your neighbor. It includes the city. It includes our region. It includes our province. A church that will love each other will get the ear and the attention of the world going, what is going on over there? Because they all want it, they're all looking for it, they all desire it, but they're looking in the wrong spot. So church, I don't know about you, but this to me is an amazing assignment. We can have all the, the nicest building. It's beautiful, and we got lights, and we got this, and we got carpet and chairs, and oh, it's amazing, it looks so beautiful. But if we do not have love, what is the building? Might as well be a Canadian tire. Something should be different about the atmosphere and the feel of the room. And what is it? It's love. Oh man, it's love. So I tell you what, I, I honestly have been seeing just in my times with the Lord for praying for you as a church. I am seeing glorious days ahead. And I'm talking about being in his presence together. I'm talking about love being shown in such 
powerful, unique ways. We're going, man, did you hear what so-and-so is going through this? And somebody's already been on it. This is how we operate as a church. It's not just, well, I need the leadership to do something here. No, it's the body taking care of the body. It's not just one or two people have to do everything. It's the whole church. I love you. I love you because you're my brother in Christ. You're my sister in Christ. I, what, what do you need? I'm here for you. What do you need? There's this deep love for each other. And it can only come by the church family working together on it. So church, I do see glorious days ahead. And it's not because of anything that we can muster up or say, yay, we're in a new building. So it's got to be good. What makes it good is the love that we have for each other. Amen. 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 I'm done. You know what Pastor Jamie said at the very beginning of the service? If, there's, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, or if you said that prayer today, or if you haven't said that prayer yet, you'd like to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. That's the beginning part. We proclaim this Jesus, this gospel. It's not religion. Religion stinks. Like I honestly, part of our call, we are religion killers. Impact, this is who we are, religion killers. It has robbed people from intimacy with the Father who loves them and is drawing them in. This is not about religion. It's about a relationship. Jesus loves you. He gave his life for you. And he wants to have a personal relationship with you. So if that is you, I'm telling you, please come up. We're going to do this right after the service. Come on up here. We have our prayer teams here. We want to lead you in this. A couple of weeks ago, we had seven people come up and receive Jesus as their Lord for the first time. We had a... At youth two weeks ago, the other two kids received Jesus as the first time. Listen, church, gear up. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Because in an atmosphere of faith and love, people will be so drawn. And I'm expecting to see drugs thrown on stages. I'm expecting to see pornography thrown on stages. I'm expecting to see anything that was bound, you know, holding people bound, being thrown on stage or just thrown on the floor and saying, I want this Jesus that you're proclaiming and talking about. How, how is all that? Is it because, oh, I preach so good? No, because you and I have created an atmosphere with our faith and our love that the love of God is able to minister even to a heart sitting in a black chair. While they're sitting there, they're just going, man, my heart was going on. Man, my my hands are sweaty. What what is going on here? The Father is calling you in. And so your simple job is to say, I respond, Lord, I receive your love. I want Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Lord, I want this out. I want to be free from pornography. I want to be free from drugs. I want to be free from alcohol, cigarettes, you name it. Lord, I want freedom. I want freedom from sleeping pills. Anything that's keeping you bound, that you are depending on something natural to keep you going, Jesus is Lord. Come on, y'all. This is the gospel we proclaim. Him we preach. If Jesus can't free us of this, if death is the only way out, then Jesus fails to be the strong king. But if he's the one to deliver us from all these needs and desires and cravings that we have, if he can satisfy all that in one man, then we're serving the right one. And I know that from my own personal life, Jesus has rescued me. He has delivered me and set me free. So I can stand before you saying, I'm a free man. I have no, ah, Lord, I just need to fill up my tank. I need to, I need to go from, sorry, I need to go to a bottle. I need to go to some bar. I need, I need a prostitute. I need, I need, I need, no, I got him. He's filled me up. My life is great. I have a wonderful marriage. My kids love Jesus. Come on. Do you want that? So church family, what do we do? We create this atmosphere where Jesus can be lifted up. Jesus can be seen. And the love of God is just among us where we go, look at who he is. Oh, God would never accept me. Yes, he already has. You just have to respond to it.